0: James, we got some listener feedback from our prior episode, which covered the fact that there's no PhD defences in Australia. A bit of feedback on this one, actually, which was uh, which is good to see. And this was a mail from a former guest and friend of the show, Dorothy Bishop, and she got in touch to say, just to say, I examined a PhD via Zoom this year at the University of Queensland. So it is happening. Oh, the time difference yes. created a slight problem because the candidate and supervisor had to leave while examiners discussed the thesis at the end, and they found themselves locked out of the building because it was out of hours. So they obviously were accommodating these <laughs> um, these external reviewers, and I, all, we also got um, someone also got in touch via Mastodon to tell us that um, this is apparently happening, or it's being trialed at ANU. So um, Good. obviously, the the Schmidt is listening. And he t- took up our advice and he's, he's doing it.
1: Excellent. Well, those are two, for people who aren't familiar, they're two of the larger universities in Australia. I would say they both have reasonably progressive reputations. Um, ANU in particular has been at the, the, in in some respects at least, the vanguard of not being crap for quite some time. That's at least my impression of it. So I'm, I'm not surprised that they're moving to that model. That's. Uh, that's very likely a good thing. Uh, I I like to hear the fact that that's happening. I, I wish I would had that opportunity myself. Good for them. But um, I do I do wonder the extent of that. I mean, there's not that many large research universities in Australia, so you know, two two down, thirty to go or something. <laughs> Hopefully.
0: Yeah, but I mean, quite, quite often what happens is if, if one if one institution says, well, this Aussie uni is doing it, then. They're going to see that it's actually possible, so hopefully there can be some sort of domino effect going on there. But yeah, it's good to see some t- t- two of the bigger universities uh, are giving it a shot, and, and Dorothy participated in one of these things, which is uh, which is nice to see. But um, look, that's uh, please, please keep sending in your feedback either whether it's via email, and don't forget we have audio questions as well, so you can send in your audio question, which, which will play on the show. But we're going to talk about a different topic, a new paper, and this one is titled "Papers and Patents." Are becoming less disruptive over time. And this got a, a lot of discussion. I think a lot of the discussion came from the the news story that was associated with this. And, and the headline was, disruptive science has declined and no one knows why. And if there's anything that social media loves, it's people talking about their opinions. People had a lot of opinions as to why they think this was the case. But before we get into it, I'll give a brief summary of of what happened or what was described in the paper, in case you haven't read it. And this was essentially an analysis of 45 million papers. And they found that compared with the research published in the mid-20th century, research done in the 2000s was much more likely to push science forward incrementally rather than to veer off in a new, new direction and render previous work obsolete. So to do this, the authors created a new metric And this metric assumed that if a study was highly disruptive, subsequent research would be less likely to cite the study's references and more likely to cite the study itself. And another thing that that the authors also reported was that the kind of verbs that were used in manuscripts have changed, whereas research in the 1950s was more likely to use discovery-related words such as produce. Uh, Research more recently used words consistent with incremental progress, like improve or enhance, and yeah, like I said, uh, people were reacting a lot to the to the news story that no one knows why, and people had a lot of opinions as to why research may be becoming less disruptive over time. So, James, what were your uh, initial thoughts when you saw this?
1: I I was lucky enough for once to have seen this before everyone got their two cents worth, and. I think my reaction was much calmer than a lot of other people's. Uh, the the first one, on, I think, rather selfishly, was, it's nice to see what essentially amounts to meta science in such a fancy journal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. Because this is very much within the, uh, it doesn't identify it as such, but it very much is within the meta-scientific tradition. And it is in fancy journal and everyone's talking about it. Um, well, uh, it was it was obvious that I should say, it was obvious at the time that everyone would talk about it. It's one of those papers, you see it and you think, ah, oh, right, there's going to be two cents flung in from all side at this point until I stand knee deep in pennies. The second thing was that this is a very, very tricky thing to try to approach, really difficult. And I think that a lot of the eventual takes were very much guilty of something that I thought would happen which is the fact that if something like this happens and there's a nice big headline, science is less disruptive, eat a dick, everything is bad, um, people are going to react to that and they're actually going to read the paper. Now, if you read the paper, quite long and using a... A method like this to operationalize the disruption of the global scientific enterprise, uh, when it essentially comes down to word pairs within titles and shit like that, is um, one part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, Well, that, that is that that is the part that everyone seems to have lost their mind over. It is it is a long <laughs> it is a long bow to draw, obviously, but there are lots of there are lots of contained separate adjunct pieces of information. Now, if you've got the graph in front of you, and our podcast software is misbehaving, so I don't have the graph in front of me. I had some tabs open for this, but I've shut them in case they're fucking up our ability to podcast at all. If you've got the graphs open in front of you, Dan.
0: Which figure are we talking about here?
1: So I would direct your attention to the frontline central, how's your father, uh, the big scary figure. Now obviously you see this changing over time yes there's 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 a lot right mm. now do you see something interesting in say the last 15 years or so daniel
0: uh, it's essentially plateaued but i mean no i don't know
1: the- i don't know if it's um i don't know if it's essentially Plateaued. Well, how would you how would you describe it? Obviously, we're going to put this in the show notes rather than, I mean, us <laughs> us describing a graph. Uh, <laughs> well, it makes
0: for great podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's got a long bit and another bit at the top. <laughs> oh, oh, trez content. Uh, yeah, no, fuck off. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it, it's 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 a it's it's a floor effect essentially because the disruptive the disruption index that they use goes from zero to one. And according to this, uh, at least in the last 15 years or so, it seems to have hit zero and stayed there, particularly for the physical sciences and the life sciences. And the social sciences um, are more disruptive. Yeah. but um, What's yeah.
1: what's really interesting is that there seems to be – what I'm referring to is there seems to be an inflection about 1995, give or take. And yeah, if, what's going if on? I'm remembering it correctly um, – the i suppose the uh the physical sciences and the life sciences uh biosciences etc hit the fucking deck and essentially went to zero at that particular More point but you also yeah. see the social sciences and i think Engineering, or uh, in the in the broadest possible sense, I think it was engineering. So was the, they, they they basically they're all hit they're all hit at the same point, and to me it makes a a really obvious feature to the graph where some of them start going down uh, at an increasing rate, and it seems like there's an inflection point in all the sources of the data. Now, I find that really, really interesting because if someone out there is really uh, someone out theres really clever, if they could I, I would like to see if they could find something that changed in, say, grant giving, for instance, at exactly 1996. Hmm. Mm. which is one after 1995, because it seems like there's a feature there. And if it was in the paper, I, I missed it on the way through. I don't have the, the time to read these things really, really carefully. Um, but I, f- I found that it's something that was not particularly well explained. Um, so that's, that's the first thing. Hopefully that sticks in someone's mind and they go, aha, I have a 1995 plus hypothesis for you. <laughs> so, let me, let me throw a few things in the soup here that I haven't necessarily seen people. I mean, I, I've seen a, a variety of remarks about There's A couple of people said it to me personally because they thought I'd find it hmm. interesting. Um, and I do. So, well done, people. There, there's been speculation that this is the rise of the review paper over time. And that Mm -hmm. if you are talking about a paper which becomes an intermediate referent to foundational work that happened previously, then you simply refer to the review paper as the kind of omnibus guide to whatever else, and you don't refer to anything that is before that. Sure. So... I find this I find this a little bit unsatisfying, but it almost certainly it almost certainly has a a relationship between what is there is almost certainly a relationship between the, the shape of the data that is here and the shape of what uh, review paper production looks like over time. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, especially for especially for recent um, especially for recent progress.
0: Um, the sort of that wouldn't 90- explain that 1995 thing, though. No, really it,
1: stark. it 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 wouldn't. What I'm, trend, I'm saying, yes. I'm saying is that in general, the the, the trends are in the same direction. Uh, but but also, mm. I mean, that that is one thing. The thing that i say immediately to that is, well, that's a very interesting speculation. But what you realize is that um, that is also an empirical question. Is you can go out and answer oh, yeah. that immediately and deliberately for yourself with very good data, because um, certainly everything that's in uh, certainly everything that's in PubMed. If you if you mass download uh, the bits and pieces of that, um, the articles will be tagged as review articles. Reviews, so yeah. if you can if you can figure out how to uh, get the coding together, you can absolutely throw that. You can absolutely throw that on the heap. That's not a problem. Um, if I had to speculate though, and I'll, I'll get to the sort of speculatory bit. There was a, a paper a few years ago that showed that one of the central problems with new shit coming into difficult scientific enterprise that ends up being kind of like disruptive, I suppose, is, is one word for it, but there's others. It's the fact that small team science working on specific questions is very heavily deprioritized in the last, give or take 20 years, yep. in favor of really large lab science. And the finding of this paper, which I will have to go back and look for, was essentially that there is a pretty reasonable correspondence between small teams coming up with collective, focused, interesting, novel ideas and large teams consolidating, expanding, surrounding, uh, doing, doing more of the kind of uh, the, the, the archaeology. So basically, I mean, if it was if, if we were mining, there's someone sinking shafts randomly and uh, small teams are hitting big nuggets of gold. But after that, the big companies coming along and picking which hill <laughs> needs to be completely raised to the fucking ground.
0: That's a good, good analogy.
1: Uh, to, and obviously, both of these, obviously, there's, it's not to say there's no value in one or the other of these approaches, yeah? They yeah. both have a place. And they certainly, they both have a, the, the parallels to commercial life are very strong. Small companies come up with innovative shit. Big companies do a much better job of making sure they are well understood, well supported, safe, available products.
0: Hmm. Makes sense. And
1: that that dynamic you know, there's like three three weirdos in the in a room changing the world um, is is very much at play. I think across lots of areas of human endeavour.
0: But that's another empirical question, though number of authors per paper.
1: Um, yeah, it is, and I, I I'm not going to try and summarise the research that's on that from memory because I'm am pretty certain yeah. that I'll get it wrong. Um, it's also the final thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll shut up for a minute. Is this was this was very much a Rorschach test for people who like to talk shit about science on the internet. So we can we can start off with these sort of uh, I, I think of them as as dickless men who have uh, you know uh, they they're, they're on the the Twitters and their avatar is a you know the poet the, the poet Homer right yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> who'd basically, um, you know, people, people, people who make claims about how many standard deviations above the mean their IQ is. Ah, um, uh, yeah, 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 uh, and, and and other people who are associated. There's a lot of people in tech and finance who, in a, in a just world, would be. Um, would be digging holes in the ground uh, and and having stones thrown at them by a, a particularly vicious sort of sergeant at arms kind of character. People who should have been put into the foreign <laughs> legion just just to see what would have happened at the age of seventeen. <laughs> um, so they 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 think it's a savage indictment of um, uh, all scientists everywhere being thick and not as smart as them. Um, all the political loonies think it's a uh, it's a, a consequence of. Uh, you know uh, the geosciences and and uh, biochemistry in particular are becoming work, You know, uh, like small, small. Really, they made that connection. Oh, of course they did. Like small, small, uh-huh. small molecule uh, drug development is now it, it, it is is in dangerous uh in dangerous concert with her critical race theory, or or some other <laughs> such nonsense. <laughs> um, people, people who don't believe anything that's written down, of which I suppose we probably identify more strongly than either of these two other groups. At least I hope so. Mm. Um, immediately, were looking for the kind of speculative possibilities and why this may not be the case. Mm. Uh, I think I think a lot of people in tech who are reasonable without being insufferable, which is not a fucking particularly well matched Venn diagram a lot of the time <laughs> were willing to believe it to a certain extent because of the breadth of evidence, but at the same time, you know, it is uh, it's it's a hell of a thing to do some textual analysis and then claim something about a global enterprise. Um, it's it's always going to be a long bow to draw, and I think this is one of those discussions where people very much bring their own prejudices to the table but I I don't I look overall Dan I didn't find myself I didn't find myself unconvinced by it what I really wanted by the time I'd finished the paper yeah was to be able to see examples of these in great big long lists like for instance let's take the um, uh, the, the life sciences, biological sciences. Um, mm. through, through, the, through the 1990s, there was a sort of a, an, an appreciable amount of, uh, of, of papers that had a, a higher uh, CD index. And then yeah. that uh, essentially went to zero. I would, I would like to see like 100 of one and 100 of the other because I think this is the kind of th- – there, there is a level of abstraction here that's very difficult to make your way through just by reading the analyses that other people are turning out. Do you know what I mean?
0: Hmm.
1: Now, the only thing that I saw on the way through, and the paper is very long, yeah? Um, the only thing that I saw on the way through, without um, uh, actually opening up the public repository, of which I believe there is a, uh, there's, a, there's a link to at the end, Hmm. Is the is the word frequency information that's here? Um, did you see that?
0: I saw the, the the headline story for the for the word frequency, and that, that for me was actually the, one of the more least convincing parts of the study hmm. for me. Okay, at, at, go for on for me at least. I mean, just just you try. And write a paper where you use more discovery-related words and reviewers are going to go, no, mate. Like, that's just, you, you can't be this declarative. Whereas you need to, when you're publishing work in 2023, you do need to use these words such as improve or enhance. You, mm-hmm. you, you can't make these improve, large claims.
1: So, enhance, these are obviously the things that stick out, yeah? Improve, enhance, re, re, relate, increase, associate, induce. Right, as opposed to produce, determine, measure, influence, effect. Um, it it is it is a lot more directive somehow in a nineteen sixty or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the fifties. Yeah,
1: yeah you, yeah. you could just you, you could just go around and going uh, now. Now see here, doll. A causes B.
0: <laughs> That's exactly how it was, because that was my first thought before even reading the paper. I'm like low hanging fruit. I've I've read like the history of, of neuroendocrinology and like in, in, in like the 1910s and the 1920s, like wake up, have, have breakfast, take an extract from a brain and inject it into a cat. Oh, look, we discovered oxytocin. <laughs> ne- ne- next day, he'd, he'd look at a different part of the pituitary gland. Oh, look, it's vasopressin. And it, almost every week, it'd be a new neuropeptide. And all these discoveries were just coming one after another. Um, and it just seems like at least for, for, for a certain time, it seemed a lot easier, at least in the biomedical sciences, to make these discoveries where now it's becoming a lot more harder. But at least within the paper, they claim it is not due to low-hanging fruit. Mm. But what's interesting is seeing a lot of analysis from people that specifically looked at, um, I guess, one way of actually comparing this is looking at or comparing the amount of disruptiveness is looking at Nobel Prize winning work or work associated. Because obviously – for, for a given time period, um, obviously there's a bit of time lag, but for a given time period, you can use this example of this is the most disruptive work that's happening right now. So then you can specifically look at the types of citation patterns or the types of citation practices that were used. And a lot of people who were, were digging into Nobel Prize winning papers or uh, uh, papers related to Nobel Prize winners – Within the area, you could go, well, looking into it, I don't think this measure actually reflects what it says it's trying to reflect. Mm. And I think this is what makes it really difficult.
1: this is is why I want to see long lists of what does and doesn't qualify.
0: Especially within our field. Mm. Because, you know, at least within cardiac physiology, it seemed like a lot of the advances were happening in, in, in the 70s and 80s. Yes. You know, we're we're still citing stuff from there because usually that incorrectly, is, but go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because 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 that is that is the, the the discovery that that is the right thing to cite. Um, well, yes, it was it was
1: but so, it was also commensurate to uh, a global increased interest in uh, cardiac and cardiovascular mm. disease. Then, yeah, it was yeah, it yeah was it was part of a point in history where we realized that. Uh, you know, people were dying because they had plumbing problems. And I think that Mm. went, I think that went the whole way down to the ground. It went all the way into the the theoretical shit that ends up being used in social and exercise sciences, the sort of cardiac metrics that are follow ons of understanding shit. Mm. Because all of that research originally, all of that research originally was done by academic cardiologists. This is something that people forget. They weren't physiologists, um, within some of the physiological measurement space. A lot of it was done at hospitals by people who were fucking cardiologists, so it was part of an era, and mm. uh, this uh, is it, it. It is. I mean, they they do they do directly countermand what you said in the paper, but I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I'm necessarily convinced because it just feels like it's like you can't come up with heart two return of the heart. Once, so, once, someone, <laughs> once someone discovers in the late 19th century that the patterns exist, then that's immediately followed by, well, if the patterns exist, we can draw them out on graph paper and then count the amount of changes here and there. And mm. then that's immediately followed by, well, here's the basic understanding of how we do this from an electrocardiograph uh, perspective which is immediately followed by, well, here's the basic way that fucking variants can change. And at that point in time, you have to get deeply, deeply obscure into Mm -hmm. being able to split variants up in different ways to have more things to talk about. Now, if we just keep this as an example for a second, I also think that the change in the sort of professionalization of science that comes with grants essentially being awarded in sometimes the majority of circumstances for work that's already happened <laughs>
0: that's, it, a, that's the reality it, yeah yeah
1: it it means that what that's what that's sending out basically is a tremendous safety signal um it is it is very much inculcating in the mind of people who give money away, which is is one of the, the primary determinants of what science consists of, is what we choose to pay for over time. So the fact that everything works and everything is strongly related to everything else, that is probably not a short-term problem, but I think there's an enormous long-term problem in the idea that we're going to fund stuff that A, works, and B, that we've already done. Because it means that you're compelled to one do something similar to what you already did, and two, make sure that it works in quotation marks, which is also obviously a tremendous driver of other areas of meta scientific inquiry, like the fact that a lot of science may be a fucking waste of time. So, I, I think there's there's that is, and that's also very much a part of the kind of big lab culture that's happened, places where success engenders success, Matthew effect, etc. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read stories of scientists from 50 years ago or 60 years ago, and that someone's working on something and it doesn't work, and they do it for two years, and then they just give it all up, and then they have a different idea, and then no one bothers them again for another 18 months, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they find something brilliant?
0: You hear all these stories, especially, but not not now. Fucking, but back then, yeah.
1: Fucking th- the difference in the sort of like the mindset under which the work is done. Yeah, you know? the more you managerial, the the moment you take away people's ability to throw pencils at ceilings, and you managerialize stuff and you timeline stuff, there are elements of fuck around and find out <laughs> that you can never. I mean. You, you can never get those from a rigid process designed to produce successful answers to empirical questions. And I, I think expecting success, if we can assume that there's some decline in the general disruptiveness of shit, I think we can ex- assume that the expectation that if you do something, it will work sufficient that. A positive result can be demonstrated is, is in the mix here. Mm.
0: Does that make, Mm.
1: does that make sense? I feel like that makes sense. I, I hope I'm articulating it correctly. I mean, this is, isn't, isn't this marvelous though? Isn't, isn't it great that something that's about how all of this works, what the implications are has been published. And then everyone's wanted to have a mostly sensible discussion around it. I've really, mm. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, we haven't even gotten into the patents yet because yeah, um, I think, I th- yeah, I mean, there's other things to say, though, which I don't think uh, our audience are, are particularly interested in, which is I think the nature of a lot of intellectual property protection has changed over time. Um, what a patent is designed to do. Uh, is is a bit different um anyway uh let's 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 not let's not worry about it I mean it's it's actually that it's a it's I think it's I think it's a tremendous achievement that they've not only got this to a, a place where it's mostly cogent and there's many 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 other um pieces of evidence that's not just cogent what they're talking about. I mean, it's, it's not. It's not as if this is particularly disruptive in its own right. It does have eighty citations for a reason, right? <laughs>
0: oh, 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 already?
1: No, 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 no. It cites itself eighty separate other things. Oh,
0: okay, okay, yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Um, I mean, this one here. this is, uh, I have a dim memory of this only called the diversity innovation paradox in science, mm. right? Uh, the burden of knowledge and the death of Renaissance man is innovation getting harder from 2009 this is not an it's not a new idea to to look at the the kind of sliding scale between let's just do the work and what immediately presents itself the kind of drudge work that's part of science and the utterly unfettered poorly organized well-funded, Discovery-based aspects of it. Um, it was that was an interesting one. Um, the, the the um the diversity innovation paradox paper. That was a uh that was an interesting one because they because they, they found out that um, they found out basically that minority students were more likely to do uh innovative work. But at the, at the same time, less likely to get uh, academic positions after that. So, so that's a pretty that's a pretty headline kind of result. So you you know you remember something like that, but I couldn't tell you the details. Um, don't you don't you don't you think it's interesting? I mean, it's it's so nice for everyone to be having an, an argument about something proper for once.
0: Yeah, what I quite like is one of the first things that people jumped to was ah, uh, it's it's the grant agencies, and. There's two things I want to say about this. One really interesting preprint that came out uh, a year or two ago evaluated the how the the European Research Council. One of their big headlines for their main project grants is high risk, high reward. We want to fund risky research. Yeah, and they say they, they want at to this. fund risky yeah, research. Yeah, they say, <laughs> and somebody somebody looked at this. And they looked at, I mean, obviously, the award winners are public, and they looked at the available data. And what the data suggested is that, no, they actually don't fund super risky research. They fund research which is a little bit more, a little bit more incremental. So, people have had that same sort of experience with the different funding agencies. But again, this sort of thing is an empirical question. One of the metadata things that's included with PubMed and other um, databases is, is whether the research was funded and who it was funded by. Because the uh, analysis script and the code is public, somebody actually said, I'm going to have a look at this. And they looked at a sample of papers that were funded uh, by the NIH. Mm-hmm. And because people were saying, oh, yeah, NIH is stifling innovation. And what they actually found for this analysis was that this disruptive index for a given sample of papers uh, funded by the NIH w- was not really more or less Disruptive than papers during the same time period that weren't. So it doesn't seem. But but again, this probably reflects this idea that um, it's not just funded research that's affected by funder policies. It's the research that's not funded is also funded by. It's, it's it's within that same environment. So it could be that overall environment that doing this uh, doing this incremental research is 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 a little bit safer. But the other interesting thing was that um, the peer review was public, yeah? This isn't this is a nature journal. I think nature's participating in this for, for a lot of the journals now in which they publish the peer review reports and a lot of people were like, oh, they had, they, had, they had a lot to say about the particular methods, didn't necessarily agree with this. This is very difficult. The only way you can answer this question on a scale of 45 million papers hmm. is to automate it. <laughs> and when you automate, you, when you automate stuff, you have to make compromises somewhere and these things aren't going to be perfect. And people were saying, "Well, this measure might not necessarily reflect disruption. That um, there are some issues where you're essentially guaranteed to get a result." And people looked into the peer review reports, and one of the peer reviewers essentially said that said that very same thing and and raised this as an issue, which the authors kind of brushed off. And the, the, the editor seemed to be satisfied with their responses, but it's super cool that we can actually see that, yeah, this was something that was raised by one of the peer reviews. And they, they, these weren't, um, you know, your, this is an interesting paper, except type peer reviews. They were, they were quite comprehensive. And, uh, I, I, I quite, I actually quite enjoyed reading peer reviews for this paper because you could see how this, how this thing, uh, uh, progressed. So another big plus for publishing the peer review reports. So yeah. In terms of the, the the agencies it does the the evidence does seem that even if the agencies do say hey we want to we want to see innovative research that's not the case and like you said before uh, because you have to do more more and more times you have to actually publish pilot data you're essentially doing a lot of the research before you're actually doing the proposal and the whole reason to get grant funding is to to have funding to do the pilot funding to do your next grant funding and when I explain this to students their minds are blown they're like well, what is this this is crazy, but th- this is the reality for a lot of agencies, particularly for the biomedical sciences. I think that's less of the case for psychology, but for other areas, um, you need this pile of data, but you need funding to do that. So you need to rely on the last bit of funding to do that, mm. which is just absolutely wild. Um, but th- there's, a, there's a few bits of the paper that I want to specifically talk about. And this is in terms of what they attribute this trend to. And the authors say, we attribute, we, uh, we attribute this trend in part to scientists' reliance a narrower set of existing knowledge and use they, they say they use three proxies to document a decline of the use in the diversity of, pre, of previous knowledge. So I want to talk about these, these, these three things and see what you think. Hmm. The first thing they say is they see a decline in the diversity of work cited, indicating that contemporary science and technology are engaging with narrower slices of existing knowledge. James, what do you think about that?
1: Well – What I keep coming back to in my head is that that feels like something of an inevitability. Think of the difference between early drugs um, and, say, an mRNA vaccine. Mm. With an mRNA vaccine, they not only had to develop the ability to make the mRNA. But there was a whole, and I think in a lot of people's eyes, more difficult research program in how you encase those in lipid nanoparticles such that they have any biological efficacy whatsoever. So it's not just an infinitely more complicated thing to make. It's an an infinitely more complicated thing to deploy. Hmm. Now, rather than... We have some chemists in a room, and they 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 make some thing, and we give it to some rats, and then they get better at water maze. Oh, look, it isn't killing people. Let's go. Um, and I don't want to deride early research too much, but there is some of it that essentially amounts to that. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> um, less, yeah.
1: You could right right now. you mean, you could you could have an entire subspecialty that was just on the basis of what process should we use to enable the commercialization of one element of making lipid nanoparticles? Absolutely, absolutely. So increased, increased complexity, doesn't that really strongly imply increased subfields and the narrowing of, of mm. and, and And a change in what it means to provide something categorically new? I mean, if it, if it worked the way that it used to, you'd just get a bottle of oil, olive oil and hit it with a hammer. There you go, lipid nanoparticles. <laughs> stick that in the rat. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if I'm out of my damn mind here. Um, but you know the, the, the other thing that's, um, the other thing that's, that's, uh, that's really interesting is if you look at figure nine, the the, the the tremendous increase the tremendous increase in like the 1995 blip also appears in figure nine or at least it appears to and I wonder if it's got something to do with base rates and there's so many more things because my understanding of the the the, the previous um, this is why podcasting about a paper can be really fucking boring. So I'll try and keep this <laughs> reasonably brief. as you're describing things that we can, can we can we can put them the
0: themselves. link we can we can put the link to, to are you talking about extended data figure nine by the way yes okay
1: so if you it's not figure one it's figure two what's wrong with me um
0: yeah figure two figure two of the paper okay yeah is
1: oh uh, does does that go from one to zero or from one to minus one? Oh, god now we're being no oh. Uh, yeah see this is this is the problem this is the problem that we ran into with early podcasting where we wanted to talk about individual papers a lot of the time because they encapsulated something that was interesting it was worth knowing and we weren't talking to the authors we were talking about them and it's it's very difficult to pull the individual pieces out without visual reference minus
0: one minus one to one
1: yeah. I don't know. I mean, so how my- do you, how, how do you, if I asked you, if you hadn't read this paper and I asked you to describe this, um, I think you would have absolutely said that the average given paper, the normative paper is less disruptive than it used to be mm. by some hypothetical measurement of disruption simply because i think it used to be a lot more common to spend two or three years working very closely on one individual problem where if you were going to do that it was it was judged like it it was judged on its kind of conception far more it was judged on its novelty far more than it was judged on its its scope so if you think of a sort of modern paper in the, the life sciences, they're not really speculative in ways that they used to be speculative. And I think we may have forgotten about the fact that a lot of the speculation from 30, 40 years ago probably turned out to be bullshit. Yeah. And that we have kept and prioritized the things that work. But I think they ended earlier in a, a kind of hypothetical continuum of evidence you don't see papers from 1980 where you're getting into like figure 37. Our 19th no. our 19th control <laughs> of xyz is means that it, it can't possibly be due to a uh, phenomenon abc. If if you're going to make things if you're going to make things bigger like that. It feels like almost al- almost a necessity. When's, when's the last time you saw a really transformative modern paper where it was obvious that people had just fucked around in a room for three years and then produced something completely new?
0: I don't think I've seen something which is completely you new, or transformative. That
1: still happens, Dan, but we call those startups now. So, I mean, this is it's it's nice to have. I'm not. I'm not sure what this discussion adds to other people. Is is a thought that I always have when we're, we're talking about something like this. I think if there's one thing that I would encourage people to do, if you've suffered through all of this, is go and carefully read the actual paper itself and. Enjoy the fact that digital tools have made it possible to do this and have a discussion. Mm. A, a team of three people, right? A team of three, three fucking people <laughs> <That's pretty laughs> have, impressive. Have, have managed to. You don't need big, big labs. Have managed to sit down, hoover up all of this information due to the 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 magics of the internet, um, and provide it. And, and it, has a, it has an old metric now of, uh, I mean, this is, these are from the Carlson School of Management in Minnesota, the School of Sociology in Arizona. That's fucking cool. Yeah. I'm mm. really glad that that team of three people managed to crack uh, like a big, proper, full scale uh, nature paper.
0: Isn't that great? It's very cool. It's very cool.
1: Yeah, uh it's just, it's, it's, th- things, things are supposed to work like this. Do you know what I mean? People, people, I love that. people who aren't from fancy cock McGee, who are from a regular university, <laughs> which were always supposed to be capable of doing great things, have managed to do something that's this consequential. I just love that. The fucking mm-hmm. metric score in the, like, day it's been published or something, um, is 3,400. <laughs>
0: That's that's impressive.
1: It's it's ranked fourth for tracked articles of a similar age and nature.
0: Oh, what's what's higher? Couldn't imagine anything being more.
1: Well, I I don't know how to make that determination on the Allmetric website because it's very like pictury and not very
0: data-y. Regardless, um, it's, uh, it's also
1: it's also been completely global. Obviously, I mean, there's a people from the U.S. using largely U.S.-centric data. Um, but the geographical breakdown of the interest is only 15% U.S. Hmm. The other 85% is spread over the rest of the world. That's a truly global paper.
0: Really good to see. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, if you see something here whining about healthcare, and American healthcare is definitely insane. Um, you know, that will be 50 80% local interest. And not so much elsewhere, but this one is, you know, adjusted for population. Um, it's probably pretty consistent all over the developed world: UK, Spain, Germany, India.
0: Because it's, it, it's something that everyone, ad- ad- everyone ad- identifies with. Well, yeah, everyone has an a, opinion. It's a, it's a, it's a sense.
1: It's a sensible statement about a global enterprise. And I'm just, I'm just glad it exists. Maybe, maybe I'm getting old and being kind about this rather than going through it with a stick, trying to find something to hit. Um, it's just maybe, maybe it's just because of the, the pure insanity of all public discussion right now. It feels like we're part of some long continuous derangement where either there's, there's so much lead in the water that we're all, we're all <laughs> gradually descending into kind of neurological soup, you know? It's just a fucking amygdala. A, a and high powered weapons yeah um, <laughs> it's 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 really nice that this has managed to structure it even if it's at least for a couple of days
0: yeah the conversation's been good it's it's been interesting a lot of people have had their opinions some a bit bit more wilder than others but it's uh, it's great to see and especially with the um with the with the data being open and the analysis group's been open people have people have opened up the hood and done an initial and stuff because people were like, oh, it must be due to this, and they're oh, like, right, let's answer that question. Well, you, see, you can't this is you, super nice to yeah, see. yeah, absolutely. But
1: it's something interesting you can't do anything with this, you can't look at your own research and go, oh, well, that has convinced me to be more disruptive. I will start writing grants that are wildly disruptive, I will change what I'm doing and be wildly disruptive. It's, it's a if there's implications of something like this, I think they're aimed at like the highest level of policy making it's something that's um but something that's interesting to people But
0: you can't force reviewers to, to to reward research that's more disruptive people have tried that and it's not working so there has to be other <laughs> you need other things <laughs> <laughs> so sa- saying we fund disruptive research is not enough force, force so,
1: disruptive innovation i like that
0: yes somehow or or literally calling it like disruption grant. I, I, I think there's a few agencies out there or, oh, or look, a few see, sort of philanthropy. Here's
1: here's, here's the thing. All, all you're gonna get when you change that and you have you make it an open process, all you're gonna people will send you the same stuff using different verbs.
0: <laughs> Groundbreaking. Yeah. Stage of the arse. Yeah.
1: What no one's ever looked at before. Is all my regular shit with some sprinkles on it? I mean, it's it's hard not to be cynical about how all of that shakes out. Um, I would note at this point in time, if you look at if you go back and look at the figure one, uh, Watson and Crick, nineteen fifty three, only gets a CD five score of 0. 0.6. 0. Yeah, 62. that was wild.
0: <laughs> it should be like it should be like three or something. It's like off the charts, but that kind of reflects the, the limitations of, of, of the method because you look at that and you're like, that was incredibly disruptive. Well, but I, I, I well like according to, that it to their actually,
1: definitions, the, probably equally as disruptive as many other things. It just happens to also be, uh, more significant. I'm sure there's, look, there's a thousand ways to qualify something like this. And, uh, if you you would have to know exactly what they were doing and spend a very long time to come up with your own way of conceptualizing it, um, it doesn't mean it isn't worth reading in full. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, isn't it? We we often think of things, at least I think we have in the last. Uh, 10, 15, 20 years, we often think of things in regular academic science in terms of decline. We have a lot of decline focus. There used to be more jobs. Grant lines used to be higher. Conditions used to be less exploitative, all of which I think is true. But you see something like this, so the, the, the kind of framing of all of it. And it makes you wonder if that's a local trajectory, if whether or not a graph like this that starts in the 40s and goes forwards can change in future, or if this is just the nature of it, and somehow the world is more boring and drab and unpleasant than it used to be.
0: Or is it just the fact that there's more scientists working on these questions? Oh,
1: those pricks! What would they know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, th- I, think they, I, I think
0: they. I think that. I think they also they, they tried to address that. I'm not sure if the the, the response was satisfying, but that, that was also the other thing. You have a lot of people working on working on these questions, and yeah, I mean the amount of subfields you have out there, the, the, the specialist journals for for for, for 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 drug delivery. It's yeah, it's the there's a lot. Of, there's a lot more specialization out there.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, let's let's not go through the rest of the graphs and continually notice things. Let's 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 call it there and hope hope that people find this discussion as um, really as unpleasant as uh, as they usually do.
0: <laughs> please please get in touch with your feedback. Uh, send us, send us an email there's all that contact details and everything hurts.com and you can also send us in your audio questions but uh, but yeah thanks for listening and i also i also forgot we we got an additional um comment on our special episode our, our patreon bonus episode where you you, you recounted when you did stand up comedy as part of the Sydney <laughs> festival and we had uh, we had one, one we had uh, one comment saying i would pay money to to hear that um, that stand up set from James. So I don't you could, think it was
1: dig- I don't think it was recorded. Yeah. I think this was just <laughs> too early to expect the kind of digital ubiquitousness that we Where everyone was recording with, everything. With everything yeah. was being recorded all the time. I don't think it was recorded. I'd have to I'd have to do it again.
0: Yeah. Do, do, just do do the set I'm, again. I'm not sure, I, I think I'm, not be-
1: sure I'm funny anymore. <laughs>
0: It, it actually reminded me. So, you, do you, you, think, were do you feel about, like
1: you've become less funny as you've aged. Yes. horribly.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't, absolutely isn't I don't an
1: unpleasant What's... feeling? It's not even terms of like I know mean, people who are like I oh, used to be cool. I don't give a fuck whether or not I'm fucking yeah. cool. <laughs> I didn't fucking care then, and I don't care now. I think if you do care, then you you're probably suffering from a closed head injury. I have no interest in that whatsoever. <laughs> The idea that I used to be funnier,
0: just oh, oh, that's—it's a lot to front. The professional comedians, like generally speaking, there's a lot of uh, older older people running around still that are still very funny. So I don't think it's a—it's—it's it's the natural trend. But personally, I'm like, I just I used to, oh, I don't know, yeah. 've noticed this a remarkably
1: sort of incoherent but, sentence even for you
0: I know see I'm, I'm getting even more incoherent as, as, as I'm getting older but like I said yeah look we we'll, we'll never find that stand up um, but if you want if you want to hear the story check out that um that bonus episode which was uh which was published in uh or which was put online in late December but yes thank you for listening everyone and we'll be back again soon with uh some more everything hurts see you later